Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 8th of July 2013. As always, please go onto cuttingthroughthematrix.com website and help yourself to the, to all the downloads are there for free on audio and also transcripts are printed up in most languages. Plus in Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu, you'll find transcripts of the talks I've given in other languages to choose from. And I go through the system, as always, of the big system. And it truly is a system that runs the world, how it started, uh, who started it, uh, the purpose, the plan, uh, the massive organizations that were created to even alter cultures across the world and then eventually standardize them all into the same system as a globalized uh, intergovernmental type system. And, and then same with the banks too, because the banks really are the boys that started up the whole process and came up with the idea a hundred years ago that they should basically rule the world, at least the guys who were the international lenders to countries. These are bigger than just the banks. And they formed their own private associations, like the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, the same name really, in other countries. And they've got them in all countries now. They've been putting in presidents and prime ministers for, and now it really is about 60, 100 years. And the public don't know. They vet the ones at the top, they put in their own players, on both sides or all sides, depending on how many parties you have. And, of course, they prefer two. It's much easier to control everything that way. And we've been along the agenda ever since, basically. Their own historian was Carol Quigley, who's a, prof- a professor, and he talked about it back in the 1960s uh, and documented it in, in two of his books, actually. And uh, he goes through the system and the plan, etc., etc. You tie in the other players that were associated with uh, the same group, and you'll find that the futurists and so on, even Aldous Huxley uh, was well acquainted with them and took part in their think tanks for designing the future and Lord Bertrand Russell and many, many others at the top and big uh, societies and agencies, all uh, not-for-profit organizations but they were worth billions of dollars even back then, set up their organizations to bring through charitable works and philanthropy uh, armies of non-governmental organizations that would lobby on behalf of what the big boys wanted. It would appear to the general public as though it was all coming from the public, and but in reality these are all managed groups that uh, help shape your mind by protesting or demanding and so on, and government, which is in on the, the whole secret, um, is quite happy to, to take that into consideration and pass laws based on all the lobbying that it gets. So we're living through a planned agenda. The general public are left out of the picture. We're given lots of rubbish they're called news, but nothing really makes much difference. It's all nonsense, basically, that they're given. Because the, the press, all the boys that took over the press a long time ago are all part of this big system. They all belong at the top, all the, the moguls and all the top editors, etc., and lots of the main journalists on television and in print all are members of uh, the Council on Foreign Relations or Royal of International Affairs, as is known in Britain, uh, and, and the same groups across the world. The politicians, all of them in Europe, the European Union, are, are all members of it too. 
And that group, actually, that, that European Council on Foreign Relations is run by George Soros, who's also part of the Act. You always think that um, there's opposing groups. There's no opposing groups. It's a dialectic. You can't get change unless you have an, an opposition to what's already there. And then starts the debate. And then the people in the middle, which is the general population, have their experts come on and tell them which way to go with things. It constantly changes because you're going in the same path in a zigzag direction, left, right, left, right, left, right. That's how it works. All towards a predetermined goal. And it's very old, as I say, you go back to H.G. Wells, who was also a propagandist for the same group. And he was, he was, a lot of his material, in fact, for his writings, sci-fi and non-fiction, uh, were, were given to him by the big foundations. And he was a member of the Fabian Society, a founding member, in fact. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the system. That's all you have is a system. And most folk don't even know there is a system uh, that they live through that was designed before they were born. They don't know the groups that are ruling it. They don't know that even their thoughts, their fashion, even their tattoos and ideas like that are all given to them and promoted through the culture industry, which is also a big part of it. Because you cannot bring in a global type society, of a global plantation you might say, uh, with a, a, an ultra-elite that you've never had before in history, never such a rich ultra-elite as, as the rakings and profit just accumulate like never before in this day and age because of the whole of China and that they're invested in the slave labor and uh, and they're raking in the cash like you wouldn't believe. And, of course, the United Nations, which is all part of it too because the same group created the United Nations, they do their left-wing parts and push out all the stats every year and they're always telling you for the last 40 years that the gap between the rich and the poor is widening. Well, now it's not a gap, it's like a different planet they're on, because you can't imagine how they live today with incredible amounts of money, incredible amounts of money, trillions of dollars, some of them, you know, they like each. Anyway, reality is far different from what you're given at the bottom. You're meant to, to believe that we're stumbling down through time and, and crisis just come out of nowhere and politicians get together and just work on the problem and eventually solve it one way or another. And that's how we're taught. That's called the accidental view of history. That's what they want you to believe in. And yeah, and they want you really to believe in your governments and so on, even though, even all through the Cold War, it became evident in countries like Britain or the U.S., that there was a, another government at work here, and they even asked it, it was the CIA, NSA, and all these guys, and, and, and MI6, etc., are really a, a, a parallel or a separate government. And well, they are, because no one, they're answerable basically to nobody. And um, remember, too, getting back to the original thing about the system and the guys who created the system. Uh, these boys, uh, who were already, as I say, the big moguls of their day, international lenders who, who lent to, to, to nations, and kept the bookkeeping for nations back then even, uh, with their debt and all the rest of it, and their interest, uh, decided to take up and, and make a system more easily manageable for themselves and their own offspring down through the future. And how do you, how do, you do that? How do you control the future? Will you plan the future? You know, just, people are really, really taught to believe it just happens by itself, as I say, the accidental view of history. But of course, everything you read, and even what I read on here, is, is a lot, there's a lot of stuff there to tell you of the big organizations that have already mapped out the next 20, 50, 100 years and where they want to go. 
and they're all uh, either big NGOs or they're foundations themselves, all paid by other foundations. You might call them the founding foundations uh, that finance them all. Uh, and they all started up a long, long time ago, tax-free and, and tax-exempt foundations uh, that uh, also are made up by, by guys who own the big banking systems across the world from 100 years to the present. So we're going through a, a planned thing, and everything really is that way. And as I say, even to do with fashion, uh, every liberation a thing that you get for whomever it happens to be at the trine is spearheaded by the same people, funded by the same people, in order to change and alter a society. Destruction, the family unit was one because they decided it was an old concept. They wouldn't need it in the future for all the peasants at the bottom, that is. And they wanted to eventually bring down the populations of certain people first of all, and then the rest gradually. And that's under, been underway for your whole life, actually. And this stuff's all, again, documented too. Uh, people forget that even at the end of World War II, the king, the king had a, in Britain, had a, a big world meeting held to do with, uh, not enough folk have died in the war, so we're going to bring down the population sooner, because that was getting the hype that he was getting fed from his think tanks that were employed by the same private organizations. So we're going through a, a, a planned system. And as I say, what you do, how you, how do you get people to stop marrying and so on? Well, you simply make them promiscuous and encourage it. And then you give them the pill, and then give them free abortions, and then you make them think, they're taught to think that any disease they get will be cured. And of course that's not true at all. Now, whatever we get as news is is either obsolete, or old, or disinformation, or partial truth. Uh, And lots of, I mean, your opinion can be swayed primarily by the omission of any other side of the story, or even a part of the story, you understand. And that's how a lot of it is done as well. I've gone through, in the, and people should really use the archives at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. I've gone through uh, in the past many, many, many articles from think tanks and so on, talking about this very, very subject, how, how to do it, how it's done and so on, how it works, where they have to improve uh, their techniques, etc., on the general population. And uh, unfortunately, the general population are called the proles, just like uh, you had with Aldous Huxley who had it in his book, uh, uh, not Huxley, as you say. Um, yeah, he did have it in his book, The uh, uh, Brave New World. Uh, and so did, so did Orwell as well, George Orwell, the proles. The proles don't count, is what uh, Orwell said. And the idea being that the people at the bottom, and that's the majority of the public, remember, the majority of the public uh, are never let in on the truth. In fact, they're hardly given a glimmer of any truth. And if, if the truth has to come out in some way or another, it, it, it's, it's so diluted, uh, you really don't know why the, the things are really happening, that that's how you're given your reality. And those who have studied various uh, tyrants through history, uh, totalitarian regimes, and, and read the memoirs even of guys who led these totalitarian regimes, uh, or those around them uh, who worked with them, they understood perfectly the system of how to grab power and how to hold on to it and also what they thought of the ordinary people whom they'd all use. And what they said, and in many cases is unfortunately true, they weren't speaking off the top of their hats. Uh, they, they were actually basically doing it from studying history itself. And of course these very techniques are used in the think tanks themselves because your own governments put in dictators across the world. They'll always have done. And other times they'll put in a thing called democracy. And the democracy is just a puppet government, a puppet regime, which must be standardized to the West. 
uh, and they must emulate it completely and, and join the World Bank and take money from the World Bank and, and pay to the IMF massive compound interest rates, etc., etc. If they don't do that, uh, they'll, be, they'll be simply annihilated, as, as is happening across the Middle East right now. And there's many players in, engaged in this, of course. Some players are, are, are really into their own particular people or tribe or whatever, but um, the ones with the most money, obviously, and, and their tribal and instinct and, and, and everything else will obviously be at the top. But getting back to the fact that all news we get is old news or whatever, I mentioned before about the, the, some of the history of the G8 to G20 and all the g whizzes they had before that because it started, at, I think it was a G4, uh, the Grand Four, as they called them at the time, when they, during the Cold War. And that was G20 you've got. Now, this goes back to the same group, again, comes from Foreign Relations, Royal Institute of International Affairs, that uh, decided to amalgamate countries into blocks, supposedly under the guise of trading. And, of course, what they did initially was to make it secret uh, to the general public or from the public not to know. that They shouldn't know that uh, they're going to amalgamate their countries legally, financially, and politically as well. And that's still on the go. In fact, uh, Rompuy, the EU, the head of the EU, the strange little character, uh, has already said that. Again, I've got an archive section at cuttingthroughmedias.com that nation, the nation state is dead, it's obsolete. And so they had to lie from the beginning as they were setting up uh, the EU under free trade deals and so on that would benefit everybody, create massive jobs and all the rest of it. Well, you see how, how the lies worked out there. Whenever you're given, whenever you're given this carrot and stick thing, oh, you better all join, you better all do this or be left behind. Whenever you hear that term, you're being conned. And there's have many schemes the same way, it's done the same thing over and over again. They've all been conned. Same with the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership that got on the go right now. Uh, you've got to join it or you'll be left behind. And it's going to create jobs, jobs, jobs. Of course, the jobs, 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 uh, when they first mentioned all that kind of stuff during Cretin's time in Canada, was that uh, he didn't tell you that it was, uh, it was telling the truth for once, but it was all to be jobs in China. Now, again, part of the, the deal with the Royal of International Affairs was not only to amalgamate, but also to eventually, uh, through all these binding treaties, etc., uh, draw your countries together into a system, and first they'd bring up these little associations, which again, like G, G4, G8, G20s, and all the rest of it, to simply rubber stamp uh, uh, treaties and agreements were drafted up by hundreds and hundreds of what they call Sherpas. These guys work full-time for government, and their job as high bureaucrats is to run the world, trying to fix any disagreements before they sign big uh, integration uh, deals, not just on trade, but in financing, who pays what, Etc., 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 and it's all to do with total amalgamation into global, what they call global governance. They don't want to say government because they don't want to scare the, the average person that even hears that term today, which is out there, uh, away from it, you see. Now, again, long ago, the guys at the top believed that they were already the most superior people on the planet. They set up their own issue of international affairs. The proof was obviously in the fact they'd, they'd created wealth done through centuries intermarried and, and held on to it and their sons generally didn't go wayward and do odd, odd things they would go into the same industry and they would be just as formidable to all their opponents and stick to the family's traditions in the same agenda done through time and that's still on the go today they're completely evolutionist in a certain, in a certain sense and more so even pre-Darwinian in fact and, and we've got it all here today so 
the G20, as I say, was a part of it. And, uh, and eventually they tie them all together. And the G20 has to go up eventually to include a lot more countries and as they bring all the world under this big forum. Now, no one in any of the countries gets to vote on even the establishing of any of these G20 uh, joiners. Not, nobody does. And yet they're still prattling about democracy. And yet these guys are now international. You're, you're, the guy who you think leads your country, and I say think leads your country, is an internationalist. And he signs all the agreements with these other guys to be more internationalist and to, to lose sovereignty as well. The old arguments to do with sovereignty and loss of sovereignty and um, even to do with protectionism were debated a long, long, long time ago. The old idea being that... Um, and even in politics and the old idea of democracy, which even was given to the public by the same group first to get used to it, was was that you had to have a local representative to go to a place that they could meet and represent you. Well, with big massive nations, it's almost impossible to know who these guys are, never mind where they go to. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the system and to do with the big uh, officially unofficial organizations that just form themselves, made up of prime ministers and presidents across the world without the authority of the people. And of course, all you need is a few years and folk take it all for granted. We, we are very adaptable. We take everything for granted very quickly, in fact. But he's an example here because... The G20 uh, recently uh, came out with, uh, I mean, I've been following it for years, and I've even read, I may even read this article when it came out, in fact, from 2010, uh, to do with uh, the bail-ins, because uh, recently, getting back to recent times, uh, they, they came out again at the G20 and talked about the bail-ins and so on, and what had the Cyprus affair. Most of have forgotten already, and, and, you know, their hair's back growing in again after it got shaved. But the thing is, this article came out to you. It says, this is when all the major governments of the G20 first agreed to implement the new Cyprus-style bail-in regime in the direction of the Internationalist Financial Stability Board under its new GFC-enabled broadened mandate. Broadened mandate, it was called. Then that was done on Armistice Day, uh, 2010. So this is how old things really are. You think they're just happening now, and they all get to go, oh, what can we do? Oh, let's make a bail-in. Uh, and then, of course, they'll, they'll pass laws just in the last two or three months to allow bail-ins to be, I mean, robbing their depositors, in other words. They can rob the depositors uh, of all their money uh, and all the countries. So it goes back to 2010, and the G20 first talked about this quietly uh, in 2010. See, everything happens today. I've mentioned this before. Nothing happens by chance in a big scale. It's all known about for years in advance. In fact, it's planned to happen years in advance. And, uh, and this is what they do with the G20s. They have their big, big meals and so on, and fancy do's, and they bring in the prostitutes even for them too. We know about that. It's come out in the papers in Canada before. They, they hire them, even boys and young ones, you know, uh, whatever their fancy is for all the different foreigners. And that's, and that's all, all acceptable. Things that are a criminal offense in your own country are okay for this bunch when they, when they come in. This has been happening for years on their global agendas. 
And I remember the excuse that years ago at one of the global meetings in Canada, it was BC, they said, well, you see, some of these people have different preferences and so on and so on. It's okay in their countries, etc., etc. And so we have to supply them here. Just like that. So laws are, again, different strokes for different folks. Say different laws for, depends who you are. Maybe different laws for bigger paws, I say. Anyway, it says here, um, you can't be helped but laugh at the Orwellian doublespeak slogans used by the architects of the new regime. So to address the problem of systematically important banks without exposing the taxpayer to the risks of loss, the puppet politicians agreed to confiscate the savings of the taxpayers. And it says, it says you can't make this up, this stuff up. It says you may be thinking that this uh, excerpt from the FSB press release does not prove that the G20 have specifically agreed to confiscation of bank deposits, and you would be correct. That was back then, they have now. Says, As with all such schemes, it's not intended that the public will easily discover what's been planned. You have to wade carefully through all the verbose and deliberately obtuse technocrat ease, all the, all the, technoc- the, the bureaucratic babble, and cross-reference the supporting documents and their annexes in order to discover just what the G20 attendee politicians, uh, geniuses like the world's greatest treasure, Wayne Swan, have actually signed up to. And on the site, uh, they give you, uh, the, actually, actually, what the charters that they signed back then, in 2010. It says, with one word, Balin stamped clearly on its barrel, you find it to be way, way through all this stuff. I'm glad there are people, and I do it too sometimes. I used to do a lot more than I do today. But uh, even way through lots and lots of boring, boring stuff to find out what the real point is buried under it all. This is first in the FSB press release of 4th November 2011. We're told that the G20 allegedly asked the FSB to develop a policy framework to address the systemic and moral hazard risks associated with systemically important financial institutions. Next in Seoul in 2010, G20 leaders endorsed this framework and the timelines and processes for its implementation. The framework is set out in the FSB's key attributes of effective resolution regimes for financial institutions. It's a PDF link there too, I'll put up tonight too. In the preamble of the document, we'll learn that one of the objectives is to make it possible for unsecured and uninsured creditors to absorb losses. Meaning if your savers are not covered, savings are not covered by some form of government guarantee or federal insurance, for all that's worth, uh, it says here, or if, as in Australia, the government bank deposits guarantee is limited to an amount significantly less than, let's say, one-tenth of the total actual bank deposits held by the public, then your bank account can be made to absorb losses. And, as we shall see, this will be done entirely without your consent. Well, everything is done without your consent, really. It says, in the sub-points of the preamble, we see that G20 governments are expected to have in place a recovery and resolution plan containing all elements set out in Annex 3. And again, I'll put these links up tonight too. You can see them for yourself. And um, it says the resolution authority's powers are most interesting. For example, we can all applaud the idea that such an authority could not, that they actually would, claw back bankers' bonuses. See, that, that throws the average person off. They'll, they'll stop there and say, well, okay, it's just to get the, the nasty big rich sods at the top. It says, what's of serious concern, though, is, is power to transfer or sell assets and liabilities, legal rights and obligations. They can sell all that off, including deposit liabilities and ownership in shares to a solvent third party without consent. It's confirmed in the key attribute 3.3, where it is clearly stated that any transfer of a bank's assets or liabilities, such as deposits, by the authority should not require the consent of any interested party or creditor to be valid. It was all done years ago folks back with more after this 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix. Uh, talking about the big banking systems, of course, and the money boys. They really run the world. I mean, money's at the top of the, the whole pyramid here. At least those who own the money. And the money to them is a tool at the top for total power. That's all it is. Everything runs on it below. It's like a food for everyone, you see. It's like water, in a sense. It trickles down until there's a little, maybe a drop at the bottom. But uh, this is the, the whole idea of how it's run. It's right, very, very simple. And these big guys at the top are so powerful, incredibly powerful, that uh, they can simply, if anybody didn't go along with their big agenda and their plan, uh, they'd simply, not that anybody would, 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 would disagree to do it, uh, they'd simply cut them off and crash their economy in a, in overnight. So simple. Uh, which has been done before, by the way. But according to this article, it goes on to say here that the G20 actually passing this back in 2010 and, uh, and so on. It says, resolution powers should be exercised in a way that respects the hierarchy of the claims while providing flexibility to depart from the general principle of equal pari proposi uh, treatment, positive treatment of creditors of the same class, it says. It says, this is what happened in Cyprus. While the final details are still evolving as to how much the Cypriot depositors holding move more or less than 100,000 euro will have stolen from them, what's clear that the FSB template for the bail-ins in G20 nations or jurisdictions is the one being followed. What's also clear, especially in light of the recent revelations, that Canada has expressly identified bail-in procedures in their 2013 budget. And I've got the link up at the archive section too, right there at the time, but I'll put it up again tonight, is that all Western governments have, unbeknown to their citizens and without their consent, agreed to the imposition of the same, uh, new, same new regime for managing insolvent banks. And so that the regime is devised and dictated by an unelected central body. And you, you keep you keep voting and say you keep prattling on about democracy. There's even idiots that keep cheering about all these color revolutions and the paid mercenaries that are causing havoc across the Middle East, and cheating them on because they're going to bring democracy across. No, they're going to bring this system across the world. And believe you me, there's no democracy in it. That's the truth. Anyway, it says the FSB has been established to coordinate at the international level the work of national financial authorities and international standard-setting bodies and to develop and promote the implementation of effective regulatory, supervisory and other financial sector policies. Brings together national authorities responsible for financial stability in significant international financial centres, international financial institutions, sector-specific international groupings of regulators and supervisors and committees of central bank experts. And that's according to the to the to the, C, the FSB's own website. Now, remember too, going back into Carl Quigley's uh, talks on, and his books as well on this big global system. He was all for. He was all part of it. He he talks about eventually the Bank for International Settlements would help run the world and actually rule it. And and through their their um, IMF, they they would also be the debt collectors. And they would, basically all the private centralized banks are owned privately by really a few people when it boils down to it. Total, what a power you have over the whole planet, eh? Total power. And this is happening as we speak, as we live through it. Most folk are oblivious, of course, they'll stay oblivious. I've always thought that the greatest crime that could be created to anyone is to rob their ability of knowing their own reality 
uh, as soon as you're born. Uh, I can take it further, in fact, and go into the writings of Lord Burton Russell, who talked about dumbing down the public by different techniques of putting stuff in their food and their water, and even by use of the needle, he says, the needle, very important for vaccinations. And so they're hitting you before you were born. But the fact is, once you're born, uh, the cartoons start and you're you're indoctrinated very, very early on into political correctness and updates and so on. And you're told what kind of future you're supposed to believe in and what is okay to believe in and what you're supposed to believe in and what you better not think about and so on and so on. That that's how tightly you're conditioned. And for most folk, it really works so well. They can go and they can go through their life uh, fighting world wars even. And go to their deaths never knowing. They've been conned their entire life. Never knowing. Conned in so many ways. They'll never ever know. Well, what a crime that is. Really. But I'll put this link up tonight. And you can look it up for yourself at cutting3medias.com. Also, as they amalgamate all the, the, the banking system, the total power of the top banks together for, for world dominance... Uh, they come out with this one too. It says, the EU, the European Union, remember the European Union was first devised or mentioned by Karl Marx, who was also financed by the same boys that set up the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations. But uh, he was paid to, to write all his stuff in London with a lot of help from, from friends and so on, and various professors that were supplied to him. But, it's, but he talked about the, uh, there would be a complete uh, integration eventually. It says, the EU arrest warrant needs urgent reform. And it says that European arrest warrants, the flagship measure of the EU judicial cooperation, has helped to catch people who exploit Europe's open borders to flee justice. But it doesn't always work as intended. The challenge facing the EU institutions is how to address the shortcomings without undermining its effectiveness. After years of calls for reform, the European Parliament, under the rapporteurship of British Liberal MEP Sarah Ludford, is about to do a legislative initiative report. What they want to do and they've been at this for ages, is to try and amalgamate all their laws. See, if you're, it's just like a country. The U.S. started off as different states, remember. Remember, too, that the great President Lincoln was, uh, was um, congratulated by Karl Marx by telegraph for helping centralize the government, a prime tenant of total control for even communism or Marxism. And don't forget that the big boys who invented it uh, were also the top bankers. That's why they like it, you see. You can get controlled society that way. You have your own, you mandate your system's the only one to be used. Your system of money's the only one to be used, uh, etc. And you can mandate the wages and everything else. It's not bad for capitalists, you know. But, um, it says here, it should be welcomed by the Assembly, which had no decision-making role back when the EEW was adopted in the pre-Lisbon Treaty times. Ludford said she will look to issues of uh, proportionality and observance of human rights. But that, they say, and you always see the attack on human rights like that's And sure enough, most of it goes to sleep. You know, they, wow, human rights good. You know. And so I hope that thereby British participation in the EU criminal justice issues can be ensured for the future. Then they go into the flaws of the EAW. Uh, and, and so they want to change it all. So you change their laws. Now they've already been changing all the economic laws. Uh, remember too, the IMF wants to eventually do all the bookkeeping. Actually, it gave itself the power to do all the bookkeeping of all the countries. So the countries are not national anymore, or, or sovereign, or independent. Or no, they're completely bought. It's a new Soviet empire. It's a more sophisticated, advanced form of the Soviet empire. That's what it is. In fact, there were guys who were dissidents in the Soviet era, and I read them years ago in there, 
who came out and, and said that. They went, they were allowed to go and, and listen to the parliament and meet them all. And they actually said, this is, this is the real Soviet empire now. It's here. Soviet empire, remember, multi-billionaires all fled out of Russia when they supposedly decided it was time to take down the wall, as they called it. Uh, it was all planned for years in advance. And these billionaires just flooded out, mainly to the States, uh, uh, with all their cash. Other zones went to even the Middle East. And um, it's well documented. You can look up yourself if you care. And uh, what can you do? It's a great system, as I say, you know, for making lots of cash. Because the state technically owns everything, but they can also, just like here too, public private deals, they can farm out uh, to, to certain things, to private businesses. What's beautiful in the Soviet Union too, uh, and um, I think Adam Curtis went through that in some of his documentaries, was to do with the, the so-called fall of Russia, the Soviet regime. And it was astonishing that the Federal Reserve uh, sent over their, their guys, who've done such a great job here, you, you know, they're so open and they get elected too, don't they? You, I mean, you've, you all elect them, right? Of course you do. And uh, they went over there, and supposedly in a week they were supposed to introduce democracy and capital, capitalism. And what they did was got all these state-owned, I mean taxpayer-funded, or the people-funded, uh, massive oil corporations, gas, electricity, everything and so on, and they're supposed to distribute bonds for everyone across the country to take their share of it. And it was arranged months and months, actually years in advance, by those in the know inside America before the wall came down. And they'd already planned who they were going to give all these bonds to, wasn't the general population. And we know the history of that is these big, they call it a mafia, and um, grabbed them all, of course, and became overnight uh, the big tycoons of Russia, and Putin had an awful job trying to put some of them back in their place. But who's going to believe in a fast? Let's introduce democracy in a week. Because uh, it was such a surprise that it all happened. What a joke. But they do love that. They love, they love to, to, to privatize stuff that the public build up. They've done it in every country over the last hundred odd years. And then when it's time, like the railroad system too, when it's time to, to repair things, uh, they get this nationalized again and taxpayer funds all the repairs and updates everything and replaces things and, and then they go and, and, and privatize it again for peanuts. This is a con, folks. Happens in every country. There's a massive uh, car, uh, rail car smash in, in Quebec uh, just over the weekend there. And uh, I think 80 folks, 60 to 80 people they say could be missing, meaning dead, in this town where this, this stack of, of uh, oil carriages carrying, well, I don't know if it was just all crude oil or if it was gasoline or what, wasn't it? But that uh, blew up and flattened houses and buildings and everything. And they're really clamping down on the lid on it too, because you see this has been becoming more frequent, because before that, about a month before that, I had the same thing happen just, just a, a half a mile from me. And, uh, a bridge collapsed. Now since they privatized the system, and I looked into this, uh, and they fired the union, basically. I mean, it's companies in New York based, mainly that own them now, the CN Railway and, uh, TransCanada. Uh, Pacific Railway, they, they basically uh, have slashed the bone, just like the old uh, corporate raiders did, uh, and they uh, maximize the profit and do as little maintenance as possible, uh, and uh, it's going to happen. It's happening all the time. Then I looked into the owners of the one in Quebec, and it's also also with a company in Maine, and it turns out to be a holdings, a world holding company for railroad lines. One corporation is holding almost all the world's railroad system. 
One company. Now, holding companies don't make anything. It's like the Wall Street movie, the first one. We don't, we own it all. We don't make anything. All they make is money. Because they have the, the, the controlling interest and the shares and so on. And the first thing they do is maximize the profits. They, they pass on the word down below to the, to the company CEO that works for the, the actual, in the actual company. And it's his problem how to, how to maximize the profits. But, uh, they've taken over railroad lines across the old Soviet Union, the same company, across the states, uh, Canada, uh, Latvia, uh, even into Guatemala. Have that too. And believe you me, there's a bigger network behind all this because it's all the same. They, they know exactly who's going to help them out in these countries. And um, they've got a lot in common with a lot of these folk in these countries that have got into politics and so on. It's quite fascinating to go through the history of these things. But what a power to have. Well, they can bring the, the stat, the, to stat, the complete standstill, basically, all, almost all the, the, the big bulk of the trade in a nation, within a nation, or outside a nation, almost overnight. And again, too, they've got all these public-private partnerships where the public pay for all the maintenance and they rake in all the profits. That's when they were to do maintenance. But as I say, uh, as they're getting more and more frequent in all these smashes because that's what you get when you do privatize them, especially into a holdings company that literally owns you know dozens and dozens and dozens of companies across the planet. But really, doesn't even nobody in the company that owns it, the holding company, even visits them. Same if they're factory holding companies, they don't even go and visit the factory, just like the Wall Street movie. That's how it really is in this world. And believe you me, uh, the the politicians won't say it. That's why they clam up about all these massive accidents. Because because, uh, these guys also make sure that they've got the right boys in politics, and they make sure, too, that they're all provided money to run their campaigns and so on. They're all bought off. What do you expect in a system where they're allowed to take so-called private contributions, which also include corporations as persons? Anyway, that's how it is. Also, too, this is kind of boring because everything to do with uh, electronics and privacy, to me, is awfully boring because I knew from the beginning there would be none before we even started, in fact. Because you had none before that, so even during the times where you're before 9-11 and so on, you had no privacy then either. Any forms of communication means power. Your, your governments, as I say, had Kardec systems in the 50s all across the European countries, including Britain, and into America as well, uh, on every citizen that, they, that was under their jurisdiction, every citizen, with all information, including trivia or gossip, believe it or not. And, of course, those, when these phones become more and more affordable in countries like Europe and more for getting them, they were snooping on folk from the very beginning. All forms of communication have always been done like that. But this one here it says that Apple and Google are excused from the Irish tax questioning. There's questioning going on about their systems and so on. And it says Apple and Google are off the hook now when it comes to an investigation to how they use the Irish tax system. Apple, Apple, Google and other multinational companies were originally called to talk about their tax setups in Ireland, uh, such as arrangements, had come under fire recently. These companies were accused of dodging taxes in other countries by a special route through Ireland. 
However, uh, Glenn Lynch, chairman of the Irish Parliament's Finance Committee, cleared company executives from Apple and Google from having to explain their tax situations with Ireland. According to Lynch, there's no need for Ireland to have a tax investigation when the US Senate Subcommittee and the UK's Public Accounts Committee are doing the same already. <laughs> so, literally, I mean, you know, democracy, yeah. And also the article, I'm sure you've all read too, and it's delaying the employer mandate requires uh, delaying all of Obamacare because it says IRS has announced it will postpone at the start date of Obamacare's employer mandate from 2014 to 2015. Most of the reaction has focused on how the move is an explicit or implicit acknowledgement that Obamacare is harmful, can't work, and will prove a liability for Democrats going to the November 2014 elections, says you. Uh, it'll be more than just that, believe you me. And it's not why they call it Obamacare. Hillary Clinton was prattling about that when, when, when her husband was in the office doing his, you know, cigar smoking and blowing rings and doing strange things. But anyway, uh, she talked about it then, about universal health care. She had lots and lots of speeches about it all over the place. This is an ongoing thing. Uh, and don't, freak, don't think you just jump into the other camp. It's the same camp, folks, you know. I always think America, with, with the eagle uh, and the wing spreads, the left wing, the right wing, and behind the shield is a body. You never see what the body looks like because there's a shield in front of it, you see. But even at that, when I mean, the bird's got the same head, doesn't it? So you don't fall into it too because the ones who are going to have, again, it's all to do with monopolization until there's one massive industry at the top, one, one company, uh, or even a holding company eventually that will own the insurance companies beneath it, or it could just be one big insurance company. Everything sounds so wonderful as they push it, and they even try to get you enthusiastic about it too. I'm not saying that the presence system is good, it's not. It's incredibly, ridiculously, greedily expensive. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about the big system again and going back to the first article to do with uh, uh, the bank bailouts or haircuts or bail-ins as I like to call them, meaning stealing your money. Uh, again, in free trade and the consumer foreign relations, that they drafted up, remember, all the agreements for uh, the free trade ag- agreements for Canada, the NAFTA agreements for, for Canada, the US, Mexico and so on. And, uh, and they're still at it yet. They also boasted too, they did the one for Europe. And in other words, it's the same organization as the Royal Institute of International Affairs. You see, they couldn't call it Royal in the States. It didn't sound too good. But uh, eventually one day it will, because in the States they love celebrities and they love folk who are awfully, awfully wealthy and show it. Uh, but this article t- ties in exactly what I said. The whole idea was to bind the countries together through trade deals, trade deals, trade deals, and then economic deals, uh, banking deals, and so on. Talks with Japan began late last year about the, 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 the Trans-Pacific Partnership with, uh, with Japan, for instance. They're one of the countries in it. So I think the U.S., at least the Obama administration, claim they're past it okay for the U.S. to join with Japan in the free trade deal. Remember, free trade deals were came out with, the, again, the Royal International Affairs to, to bind the world into, under one system, which they control. And um, and eventually they would do away with the, the levies on taxes on imports, you see, you could call it import duties, which is a form of protectionism. And as I said before, if you, do, if you can't look after your own people in your immediate area, you have no control at all. 
That's what protectionism was about. And it was to ensure jobs at home. It was to ensure enough food and decent food for those left at home uh, and all that before exports came. And it also paid for most of the government, by the way, the import duties from abroad would pay for the government. Remember, too, your taxes are also going up because as they push through all these free trade agreements and do away with it, the import duties, they aren't going to say, oh, well, we're going to go broke. No, they're going to say, your, your taxes at home, the taxpayers at home will have to just pay more and more taxes to make up the difference from all the import duties they won't have. And it says, so anyway, this is, um, they're ready to go ahead, it says, uh, with uh, Japan and so on. Trade deal, and Japan can bring its cars in. Before, they had a, a levy on every car, a rather expensive one, too, so that folk would buy domestically, but it was a point anymore, since you find really you have no domestic cars made, almost. And um, and even the ones that you thought were yours were already international corporations. They're, they're churning out more in other countries than they are back home. But I'll put this one up tonight too for those who are following the whole free trade agreements and, and so on uh, as they bring binding treaties. Binding treaties, remember. Remember too, a lot of your food has to be exported abroad now too. So another uh, concern of, of the old system uh, was to make sure that you were given enough uh, available, decent, good uh, foods. And there's more and more uh, foods going to get sold abroad. I read last week where the U.S. is uh, a lot of their pork industry is getting bought over by China, and they're exporting some sort of the best stuff to China. The best stuff. What does that leave you? Well, you won't notice because you'll get it in prepackaged and processed foods and so on, covered in sausage. You won't even know what you're eating. I'm not kidding about this. It's already happened here. That's how it's done, folks. You know. But, but again, this is a PR article from the, the Globe and Mail, making it sound all rosy and wonderful. And uh, we, can, we can import uh, rice from, from Japan. There's a glut of rice right now, a rice all over the world right now, from all the countries. A glut of it. But anyway, it doesn't matter, because I say the big boys at the top control it all, and it really it's not the ones you elect. It really isn't. From Hamish from Ontario, Canada, it's good night, me. A God of your gods go with you. <laughs>